Hi, I'm Anya Kotz, and you're listening to A Millennial's Guide to Saving the World. I started this podcast because I was tired of being stereotyped as lazy, triggered, and entitled. I wanted to give voice to a different kind of millennial and invite us to write a new story. One of a generation willing to challenge the status quo, embrace nuance and paradox, and reject PC culture. This podcast isn't about finding answers. It's about asking the right questions. How can we reinvent ourselves and the narratives we've been expected to inherit? How can we take ownership over the ways we participate in our own suffering? How can we move beyond victimization and into empowerment? How can we fix ourselves to fix the world? It's time for new dreams, new stories, and new futures. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the podcast, coming to you live from a floor in Guatemala. Um, We are leaving Lake Atitlan today and flying back to America tomorrow and just packing up and uh, yeah, actually there was this really scratchy wool blanket on our bed here in the Airbnb that like gave me this horrific itchy rash and I'm like really afraid of the bed even though we stripped it, like I don't want to sit on it. So here I am on a floor drinking a cup of coffee looking out on this beautiful, beautiful lake that we've had the pleasure to stay near, um, both at the beginning and end of our trip. It's been a crazy couple of months. Um, definitely not exactly what we expected. Uh, we sort of impulsively decided to come to Guatemala, um, to get some work done and to write. And also because I think we were feeling a bit claustrophobic in the U S having not traveled since the beginning of COVID. And we figured, okay, we know like nobody in Guatemala will go and just hang tight for a couple of months and get a lot of writing done. Um, and it turns out, uh, that's not exactly how we spent our two months. Um, Chris had uh, a friend out here that we didn't know lived here who he met many, many years ago and um, had sort of roughly stayed in touch with. Uh, Tim, who you will hear on probably the next episode that I release or the one after. Um, Really amazing guy that I'm really grateful we ran into here. Um, but we ended up actually hanging out with like a ton of people and drinking a lot of good wine and eating a lot of good food and, um, staying up late into the night talking and, um, eating. Did I mention eating? (laughs) So much rice, so many corn tortillas, um, definitely like going on a serious, uh, detox fast situation here now. Um, but it was awesome. And, uh, you know, just one of those many lessons in life about like, we can't exactly control what happens and how things turn out. And, uh, I'm really grateful to have spent this time the past couple of months getting to know people and having fun. Uh, and not to mention teaching my lunar circle, which comes to a close tomorrow, which is really crazy because these always go so quickly And this one is no different, um, doing our last little meetup tomorrow. Um, yeah, I was actually also grateful to kind of not have much other than the podcast, a lot of other work to focus on other than that. I really like putting my 
energy and focus into that project and definitely expanded it quite a bit this time around. Um, For those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, the Lunar Circle is my intro to astrology course uh, that I've taught a few times now and might, might, emphasis on might teach again, maybe next spring. We'll see where in the world I am, what time zone I'm in, what, how much work and writing I actually can get done over the winter. Um, but if you're interested in that, you can go to my website, anyakotz.com slash lunar circle. Um, just put your email in the wait list and when, and if I decide to reopen that program, uh, you will be the first to know. Um, but yeah, really, uh, sort of bittersweet to finish up, uh, this past lunar circle that we did really grateful for everyone that joined. It's such an amazing group and, uh, just really nice to get to know everybody and help them discover how to see the world in these, uh, more archetypal energetic ways. So today's episode is with Chris Bale. Um, and I have been following him on Instagram for quite a while and I really like him because, well, I like him for a lot of reasons, but, um, one of them is because I feel, uh, similar to him in certain ways. Um, and that is that I think we're both, we both consider ourselves to be quite spiritual, spiritually minded people. And we also teach within the realms of spirituality. Chris focuses on Um, energy work and masculine feminine polarity. And of course I teach astrology. So we no doubt um, exist in this sort of spiritual world. And yet I think we both feel quite alienated and disappointed by a lot of what we see in the spiritual world. Um, This is something I've talked about a lot. I uh, posted a video on Instagram a little while ago, like a month or so ago called how to be spiritual and not be a douchebag. Um, but it's 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 difficult because I feel like sometimes I'm pushing a fucking boulder up a hill uh, to kind of explain how I'm different than other people because I recognize that we look out on the Instagram, you know, spiritual goddess, abundance, kill me now, all of it, world. Um, and it looks ridiculous, or at least I hope it looks ridiculous. I hope we're all having the amount of discernment that tells us that so many of these people are full of shit. Um, I actually have a close friend, Leah, who was on the podcast episode, maybe 90. Um, we talked about white shamanism. She's doing, um, her, uh, dissertation on this topic. Um, Anyway, she has a funny account called Steve the Shaman, where she pretends to be a white shaman and makes fun of a lot of these people, which I think is important because I think we need to develop better discernment about who's full of shit and who's not. Um, A lot of people call themselves spiritual who are not, in fact, um, very spiritual or know what they're talking about. So yeah, so it's difficult to kind of just even say like, hey, come learn about astrology for me without me feeling like, oh, I know what everyone's going to think about that. (laughs) And I'm not like those other astrologers or I'm not a part of that world in the way that they might think. So it's like I have to do two jobs. I have to like try to promote what I'm promoting and then also try to like show how I'm different than what people think I might be when I talk about spirituality, which is really frustrating. Um, And I think uh, Chris feels similarly to that. He has a really hilarious um, video that he did on YouTube that sort of was the what really pushed me to reach out to him to do this interview um, where he kind of sarcastically uh, makes fun of this idea of people channeling codes um, and saying that like 
that's maybe point zero 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 one percent of the population is actually capable of doing such a thing and um, we're all just using this fancy ridiculous language to pretend as if we're like enlightened ascended 5d beings um so i just felt a, a kinship with him of sorts and i started following him mostly not for the spiritual stuff and more for the kind of energetic masculine feminine polarity stuff um which of course they go together but once i saw him kind of poking fun at this world as well i thought fuck it all right let's have a conversation and um it was amazing and i will say right now for those of you listening if you are at all triggered or uncomfortable by um talk around masculine feminine around heterosexual gendered relations um probably not the episode for you i don't i don't think there are a lot of you listening to this podcast given who i am and what i talk about but i did just want to say like if that's not your thing um don't listen to this and get annoyed or get angry it's okay um there's lots of other episodes um but this is something that is important to me and as chris and i discuss like kind of taboo and something that i know we all feel uncomfortable talking about now because if when we say masculine feminine people think gender and then if people think gender it's like but how do we talk about these um energies uh in this sort of very high, highly sensitive sensitive culture around gender and of course when we talk about masculine and feminine we're not necessarily talking about gender but it's just so complicated and confusing to to say what i want to say or what we want to say um and not offend someone or uh, make someone uncomfortable so um yeah, I've, I don't think I've ever given like a trigger warning in my life. I don't really believe in them, but I did just want to say if that doesn't sound like your thing, skip it. <laughs> um, but if for those of you that does sound like your thing, I'm I'm happy to sort of explicitly be talking about it today with Chris because I think I've kind of minced my words um, in ways before because of this kind of heightened sensitive um culture at the moment around talking about masculine feminine around gender and not to mention of course that spiritual the ridiculous social media spiritual spiritual world has also kind of taken these concepts of masculine and feminine and twisted them into things that i don't that doesn't that don't really sit right with me either so uh again it's kind of like pushing multiple boulders up hills to try to explain what I'm talking about with the language that we have, which never feels quite good enough or feels icky because it's been co-opted in, in such ridiculous ways. Um, anyway, I will just let you listen to the conversation, but I'm, I felt really grateful to have it and I felt really grounded having it and it feels like a relief sometimes to just be able to talk to someone who's been thinking about the same things that you are in the same ways and who believes in things in the same way that you do and things that have made a really big difference in their lives as these concepts have for me. Um, and I also just wanted to say around this topic when we're talking about like a big part of what we're speaking about in this conversation is about how men and women can help each other become embodied and become more comfortable in their skin and feel aligned in the way that they're meant to feel aligned. And I know I've talked about this in various ways in the past, but I think 
we're in a time period where we're coming to terms with a lot of injustice, of course, um, that's been enacted against all sorts of minority communities, including women. Um, I started this podcast in large part as a reaction to the Me Too movement, specifically in the way that I thought the Me Too movement was getting a little out of hand, was becoming a little too centered around victimhood, around blaming and finger pointing and not uh, enough taking responsibility as women for our role in shitty situations. And I'm not talking about violent rape here. I'm talking about bad dates and crappy relationships and quote unquote toxic or abusive dynamics where we're not being held down and we're not being tied up and we can leave and we don't. Um, And, you know, it takes two to tango in a lot of these situations. And I, speaking from personal experience, have absolutely been involved in really unhealthy relationships. Like, can we all just admit that we all have or we are at the current time? And you know, it was so much easier at the time experiencing those relationships or thinking about whether or not I wanted to leave and blame the other person and say that they were abusive and that they were toxic. And But why was I, why did I continue to go back? And how was I enacting unhealthy, toxic and abusive patterns as well? I get that men are physically stronger and have been given more privilege, you know, throughout history. Um, But also as a reaction to that, women have developed all sorts of coping mechanisms. I think we've forgotten what it means to be sort of quote-unquote powerfully feminine. We've relinquished forms of feminine power and tried to take on forms of masculine power. Um, So we often, you know, punish men for acting aggressive, uh, but then turn around and act aggressive ourselves because we don't know what else to do. We can't really fight back with vulnerability in a climate like this. Um, and so we often enact the same patterns and the same behaviors that we punish men for. Um, but then I think we also bury a lot of things and we treat ourselves really poorly. I think w- women tend to internalize problems and conflict um, and we enact vic- these victim mentalities and, you know, we don't understand this concept of that the fact that we can take responsibility for ourselves and for our lives and for our choices, which doesn't mean we have to accept the blame for something. And I think this is something that humans struggle with across the board in a myriad of different contexts. Um, but I know as a woman that I've behaved poorly. And I've behaved in a cruel, unfair way. And I've blamed others for games that I 100% participated in. And I'm not talking about being 14 or 15 and not knowing any better. I'm talking about being in my 20s and we can have a debate about when we become an adult. But I can very rightfully say that I knew subconsciously throughout my 20s that I was doing stupid shit and it was easier for me to deny that or to blame someone else than to take responsibility for my actions. And, you know, men are, men are struggling too. you know, just because men have been, just because men or white people or any of the sort of more majority groups have been given some degree of privilege does not mean they're not in need of deep healing as well. 
And I think we all need to come to the table as equals, which doesn't mean we need to be the same, which doesn't mean we need to say that we're all neutral or have the same needs sexually or emotionally or psychologically. I'm not saying that at all, but I do think uh, we can all be different and yet equal and come to the table and stop blaming each other. You know, this is my big issue with identitarian movements across the board is that I don't think we're trying to seek justice. We're seeking compensatory injustice. We're angry. And so we're lashing out. But that's not a solution. That's like a petulant child's reaction to something. And I get the anger. Believe me, like I know what it feels like to be treated poorly for a long period of time in a way that wasn't at all fair and wasn't my fault. I get the anger, and I think we need anger to extricate ourselves from harmful situations, but anger is not the solution. Anger is a step on the path to the solution, and I feel like we get angry, and we see that all these other people are angry, and we're like, oh my god, look, I'm a part of this angry club, and I'm so in need of community and belonging, so I'm just going to stay in this club of everyone that's screaming and yelling and telling people to sit down, shut up, and not have an opinion and not speak, and we forget that that's not going to really do anything. And we're actually literally enacting the trauma um, on someone else that we experienced. You know, how is it fair <laughs> as women that we were told to sh shut up and sit down and that we can't have an opinion? Now we're going to turn around and do that to men. Like, did we not learn in kindergarten that two wrongs don't make a right? To me, this is very clear. And yet somehow I feel like as adults, we've forgotten this. Um, especially because it feels culturally acceptable to build entire movements around hissy fits. Um, so I hope this episode and this conversation can sort of help reframe this a little bit to recognize that we're all humans, we've all been hurt, we're all confused, we all need to talk, we all need to be comforted, we need different things in relationships and that's okay. And the only way that we're going to figure any of this shit out is if we stop yelling at each other and sit down and really talk. Not to mention look inside ourselves and really ask ourselves like, where have I not taken responsibility for my own actions and my own life? Because I really don't think we can move on at all if we can't at least do that. You know, there's this saying, when you point a finger at someone, there are two fingers pointing back at you. And when I heard that, it was semi-life-changing. That little simple saying, it really hit me in a way that I couldn't ignore. You know, similarly to what does Carl Jung say, like everything we hate most about someone else is something we hate most, every, everything we hate most about somebody else is something we hate about ourselves, something like that. I also think that pans out really, really, really well. And to ask ourselves when we get triggered and we get angry and we want to point fingers and um, tell someone that they're wrong or that they fucked up, how does that reflect on things that we might not have been able to face within ourselves? One really great book about this is called Inner Gold by Robert Johnson, who sort of takes the approach of delving into projection through a positive lens so that we don't just project what we dislike onto other people, but we actually project what we're not capable of onto other people. And for whatever reason, that book 
because it comes at it from that angle um, really helped me to understand my own projections, both positive and negative, in a really thorough thorough way. So if this is something you'd like to delve into, I highly recommend Robert Johnson's Inner Gold. I actually have a list on my website of a bunch of my favorite books. There's a recommended reading list under the About Me tab if you're interested in that. Um, I regularly update it with new books that I read, mostly because all the books we read for our Patreon book, Patreon book club become my favorite books. Um, they're all freaking amazing. So uh, yeah, check that out. I am not going to talk too much about this and I will let you get into the conversation. Um, also, one other quick announcement. Uh, my friend Whitney and I, uh, who's been on the podcast before, she's an astrologer and a Jungian psychologist. Um we're not totally quite ready to announce it yet, but we are going to be doing a workshop this winter uh, for the Venus retrograde in Capricorn. Um, so it's going to be three uh, sessions. We're going to talk to everyone about retrogrades in general, um, dispel some false narratives around what retrogrades are, especially Venus retrogrades. Uh, we're going to talk and delve into the mythology around uh, Venus and Venus retrogrades specifically. And then we're going to help you all uh, work on workshopping this specific retrograde relative to your chart. You do not need previous astrology knowledge in order to take this course. If you kind of wanted to take the lunar circle but weren't sure, this might be like a good opportunity to kind of see how I do things. Uh, and you get the extra bonus of also getting Whitney's input. Um, so that's going to take place over the course of the winter. Um, if you're interested in that, send me a message on Instagram or via email on yakots at gmail.com. Uh, I'm going to record an episode with Whitney this coming weekend um, we'll, where we will be able to formally announce that. But if you're really interested now, even before all the details, um, send me a little note and I'll be sure to get you that link once we get it up. But I'm really stoked about that. Um, especially because I don't know when I will next launch the Lunar Circle, um, but I'm feeling like I'm in a definite kind of like astrology mode in my life at the moment. I kind of go in and out of focus in that respect, um, but definitely feeling it now. So really cool to kind of keep that thread alive over the winter um, while I'll be in Thailand, actually. So we're going to be meeting sat three different Saturday nights, spending our Saturday nights talking about Venus, um, which I kind of love. And uh, it will be early Sunday morning for me, though, in Thailand, where, we'll, we, where we will likely be over the winter very early. But I'm stoked. Um, okay, so if you'd like to support the podcast um, and you have a few extra dollars to spare per month and you would like to meet um, hundreds of like-minded humans, the best place to do that is to go to patreon.com slash and for a small donation each month, you get to help uh, me support the podcast. You get to help me make some money because there is no other way for me to make money on this podcast other than to have ads, which I really don't want to have. Um, so I rely on all of your, you for your financial support. And in exchange for that support, you get access to lots and lots of ways to connect with this community more in depth. We have a Discord server that currently has, I think, 100 people on it. Uh, we just allowed actual um, the Patreon supporters for Horror to also join the Discord. So if you're a listener of both, you get to interact on all sorts of topics. We have a million channels 
um, Discord, for those of you that don't know, is basically like a big message board. Um, that when you sign up for Patreon um, at the $10 tier per month, you get access to that and get to communicate about gardening, sex and relationships, uh, regenerative agriculture, food, psychology, books, podcast episodes, all sorts of things, art. Um, you get to join the Discord server and you get access to our workshops that either I teach or fellow patrons teach. Um, we have playlists and, uh, I'm forgetting so many different, oh, book club, of course, the book clubs. Uh, we have at least quarterly book clubs, although I tend to launch them more frequently than quarterly because I think we did like six or seven last year. Uh, I sort of hate reading books on my own now after I launch the book club. It's so much more fun to read them alongside all of you and then discuss them via Zoom. So, uh, I tend to launch book clubs pretty frequently and, uh, we'll probably be doing the next one maybe in December. We'll see. Uh, but if you're interested in all that, there's lots that I'm forgetting about because there's so many different perks. You can go to patreon.com slash Anya Kotz to learn more about that. Uh, if you don't want to do that, but you would still like to support the podcast, one thing I always forget to talk about is leaving reviews on, uh, um, iTunes on Apple podcasts. If you listen on Apple podcasts, it takes like two seconds and it helps me quite a bit in a myriad of ways. Um, when you rate and review the podcast, the podcast itself shows up more easily in search results because people don't really know how to spell millennial. And I don't blame you because <laughs> it's really confusing. Um, sometimes it's actually hard to find the podcast. So the more people that rate and review it, the actual, like the quicker it shows up when you search for it. Not to mention when I reach out to guests to have them on the podcast, the first thing they're going to do is go to iTunes and see how many reviews and how many ratings it has to see how many people listen to it. So if you like the podcast, um, please, I will love you forever. Uh, and you listen to it on Apple Podcasts, just scroll down below the episode list and you'll see a place to just like leave some stars. Um, and it says write a review and you can write something super fast, just like love the podcast, yay podcasting, whatever you want to do, um, whatever you want to say is really helpful. And that's a free and easy, quick way to help support the show. Okay, I think that's it. I'm going to play you in today. Um... It was really difficult to find songs for this podcast, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I put out a call on Instagram and on the Discord server for songs that kind of spoke about this topic, about polarity or like healthy relational interacting, because um, so many songs are like focused on the most ridiculous, codependent, desperate, just embarrassing shit. Um, so it was really hard to find. And so this song came from one of your suggestions. I think someone sent this in on Instagram. I forget who you are, but if it's you, thank you. Um, I'm going to play you in today with a song called Can't Help But Fly, um, featuring B. Steadwell and Lukeman Frank. Uh, and it's by Climbing Poetry, B. Steadwell and Lukeman Frank. That was a really like eloquent way of announcing that song. Um, if you like the songs that I play on the podcast, as a reminder, I have a Millennial's Guide to Saving the World playlist on Spotify. Just search a Millennial's Guide to Saving the World and you will see both the po podcast and the playlist and you can follow the playlist. And I think there's like 170 something songs on there now. Um, please enjoy this song. Please enjoy this conversation and I will catch you on the other side. Oh, oh, yeah. 
Magnetic attraction, mutual satisfaction, first sight, love at eye contact. I love it that our passion is such a high contrast to the possessiveness that limited our love ships in the past. I'm a bird who sings in the springtime. She's a girl who smiles like the sunrise. Though I love the days when she's all mine, I don't try to bottle her sunshine. Loving, crushing, she sees me staring. Baby, maybe loving is sharing. Feel the wind of love on the sky. I'm a bird that can't help but fly. I can't fit inside monogamy's philosophies of one and only constantly stopping me from boundlessly expressing what is possibly the greatest force in all of me. My heart cannot be property. Ownership is opposite of all that love has taught to me. The infinite capacity of each of us to happily surrender to the majesty of learning love's true mastery. Each one of us a tapestry, anatomy like galaxies. It's fallacy. I need someone complete the other half of me. Reality is many souls. Reflect my whole totality, complexity, vitality, my sensual mentality. Rather than analogies of draining like a battery, the more and more I practice love, the more my love grows naturally. I know a few interpreters think jealousy is flattery. I avidly promote. We try to rise up from the agony, try out a brand new strategy, flip envy into ecstasy, amplify through alchemy. I'm a bird who sings in the springtime. She's a girl who smiles like the sunrise. Though I love the days when she's all mine, I don't try to bottle her sunshine. Got a feeling, go girl, express it. Love is never love when possessed. Feel the wind of love on the sky. She's a bird that can't help but fly. If a girl asks you to dance. Dance with the girl, and if it feels right, then you should hold hands with the girl. 'Cause I believe that God is love, and love she keeps telling me to step back, relax, and deconstruct your jealousy. 'Cause jealousy is fear. Some days I'm scared of losing you, but you and I are free to lead if we choose to. I'm taking down the bricks of this invisible wall, and when the wind of love blows, now we both can feel it all. 'Cause you love to hear me sing, even if you didn't write the note. I love to hear you laugh, even if I didn't tell the joke. You know I. I love to cuddle with you, pull your body close, and I love it when you're happy. Even if I have to let you go, 'cause if you need your space, then baby you can let me know. I love you from afar. You my star in the telescope. I'm not a god, I'm not a fool, but I would be both to think that love was something I could control, right? right. <laughs> I'm a bird who sings in the springtime. She's a girl who smiles like the sunrise. Though I love the days when she's all mine, I don't try to bottle. Her sunshine, trusting, loving, true understanding. Universe of us is expanding. Feel the wind of love on the sky. We are birds that can't help but fly. I love how your empathy finds joy in my intimacy with someone else that's into me. Love is limitless, infinitely. I love it how my loyalty dissolves your insecurity. Our love it blooms concurrently. You know that's my priority. I'm soaring through an odyssey deep in the realms of honesty with conscious choreography, consensual autonomy, equality, responsibly. I feel our trust it waters me. A love like this is selflessly fulfilling, like a promise. 'Cause there's no better way to love me than through honesty. And trusting it's not indiscriminate. Fucking it's an 
indiscriminate loving It's rising up to realize Your love's the greatest gift to me It's lifting me above the narrow space of normativity Now we are one, I am free And you can take the sky with me Cause love is feeding flying Rise up above to feel the breeze Some days will be a struggle Some will fly by with ease But I'd love it if you trust to take this journey with me I'm a bird who sings in the springtime She's a girl who smiles like the sunrise Though I love the days when she's all mine I don't try to bottle her sunshine Got a feeling, go on, express it Love is never love when possessed Feel the wind of love on the sky She's a bird that can't help but fly Okay, we are live. I am here with Chris Bale, who I'm very excited to have on the podcast. Um, I have been following you for quite a while and am always sort of relieved and um, feel refreshed to see someone else speaking about such similar topics in such similar ways to me. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to have a conversation with you about about many different things. Um, but first, before we get started, if maybe you could talk a little bit about yourself and how you would describe yourself and the work that you do. I I was listening to you on, on someone else's podcast recently, and you said that that's always sort of a difficult question <laughs> and evolves over time. So <laughs> curious to know what the current iteration is. <laughs> yes, you'd think I'd get used to this, uh, to this question, but it's always the hardest part of, of the work that I do. Right. Um, well, firstly, thank you for <clears throat> for inviting me on to your to your podcast. Uh, I appreciate getting the opportunity to to chop it up and and yeah, have some important conversation. So, for people who are probably not familiar with me or my work, I work with men and women. Um, my background is in traditional Chinese medicine, uh, acupuncture, qigong, and I really had nothing to do with the kind of sexuality sphere or masculine, feminine, or anything like that. And I didn't choose to be in that work, but that's ultimately what I'm now uh, working with people on a daily basis on is bringing them back into healthy expressions and healthy understandings of these parts of who they are and their, their energetic system. So with men, I do mentoring work to support what he needs uh, in coming back to his essence, his nature, and, and his clarity. And for women, it's uh, there's some mentoring, but it's far more energetically-based work. Mm in order to actually open her to some of the frequencies and some of the natural proclivities and, and parts of her essence that because of the way men have been functioning are not being activated or not being initiated in her life. Uh, so with women, the work is far more, more based on that activation, on that physical fill sense, energetic fill sense experience of her healthy womanhood. So she can process through a lot of that trauma and mishandling that's that's been done onto her just at the hands of, of untrustworthy and 
immature masculine. And the basis of what I do, just to, to finish that point, yeah. the basis of my work is energetic. Um, 20% of what I do is my words and 80% is actually working with people energetically. Uh, that's the only thing that I found to be effective long-term for a person's mm -hmm. system because it's our whole life is experienced through our body yeah. and whether we're blocked or moving freely. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious and I, because I've been thinking about this for a while now, I, I sort of exist. Um, I teach astrology and consider myself to be a spiritual person and speak about polarity and uh, masculine feminine and all of these things and uh, feel often quite alienated by I feel like the community that other people associate me with or place me in um, mm -hmm. and I watched some video that you did recently sort of uh, very playfully but um, poignantly <laughs> making fun of this whole idea of downloading codes and the like. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm curious if you experience that as well. Um, I think this whole, I mean, I don't know what you want to call it, but, and maybe it's partially as a result of social media, but this whole sort of like spiritually minded human spiritual realm, I feel like has become so prevalent. And I find myself in addition to just wanting to teach what I teach and do the work that I do, sort of having to um, separate myself um, or it's like sometimes pushing a boulder up a hill to be like, I teach this, but not like that. Or, um, And I'm curious if you've felt some of that as well. Well, firstly, I, I feel spirituality and, and being a coach, especially being a teacher in these areas has become a trend like it's become trendy and anything yeah. that becomes trendy gets abused and perverted and lacks substance to huge degrees uh, all you have to do is look at the people who are positioning themselves as coaches and mentors and guides and you know essentially how they're moving around in their life is is a mess yeah. and that's not to say that they're less than or that's bad or wrong because we all have our phases that we go through in our lives but I feel there's such a deep lack of accountability mm -hmm. and just people not seeing themselves clearly enough when they're attempting to reach out and monetize this trend and it's it's fine. I mean, it's the nature of, of the beast. People will always be coming in and dropping out and coming in and dropping out. But those of us that are are truly here to do this work, I mean, we're in it for the long haul. Um, there's always going to be consistency uh, when a person is supposed to be doing this. Now, with the industry itself, uh, I've always been very disconnected and separated from the industry. I haven't really studied anything formally like Tantra. Or I've, I've never actually been to a workshop in my life or an event or mm -hmm. anything like that, even though I hold them now, but I've, I've never been to one. Um, just because of that lack of accountability 
that I've been talking mm -hmm. about. I've always been very protective over the types of humans and the information that I allow into my sphere. Because I really don't want to just be taking on some other person's bullshit right. and have to pay for that. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, the, the industry, I think it's just a trend. And like everything, it moves very, very quickly. And, and the art gets lost and, and gets sodomized and everything that goes along with it. But it's great for me. It's great for people who are doing this work, I feel, uh, in your case as well, you know. If this is what you're here to do, then I feel it's great because it's it's allowing people who otherwise would not have been exposed to us be exposed to us through more mainstream, easy-to-digest teachings. And then when they're ready for the truth, um, you know, there's people there for that. But there's a lot fewer people that are there for that. So I, I think there's a blessing and a, a curse in, in everything. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm curious to hear some of your um, theories around this sort of <laughs> what I think people might refer to or think of or identify as in terms of quote unquote enlightenment, um, and what seems to me is often like overt sort of spiritual narcissism and um, really intense forms of cognitive dissonance and. Uh, I've had many people in the show to sort of talk about the process of going through a spiritual awakening, which I think, you know, sort of goes one of two ways. I think we all have the propensity, and I did too, to at the beginning, like, think I was God or special or, you know, like, wait, I'm, I'm coming to terms with all these things and I'm learning all these things and realizing all these things and not everyone is. And so does that make me somehow, you know, special and better? Um, and thankfully, due to the people that I surrounded myself with and the books that I was reading, and um, I think I have just a um, personality trait of sort of like fierce self-reflection and <laughs> criticism. Um but of course, not everybody sort of moves out of that initial stage. Um, and I don't, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I don't know if it's just because of, like you said, it's so trendy now, but I feel like it's, it's so common and, and it sort of blows my mind um, how we have these sort of gross misunderstandings about what it means to be spiritual <laughs> it's it's the brainwashing yeah that it brings to us um, it's very easy for someone to read a book like the power of now and then immediately call themselves a presence coach and or a self-love coach and create their instagram page and and our minds are very very fragile and, and that's one of the that was one of the very early lessons for me on this process was just how fragile and intoxicated our mind is and how it really should very rarely actually be listened to and followed. Um, I always say that our mind is so fragile that it can convince us to slit our own throat. 
And if we start to identify with all of these labels and, and all of these personas that we place on ourselves, which is, of course, very common, uh, hopefully someone moves through that phase, but not everybody does. I feel like life is, is, life is real enough that that person will be in for some consistent rude awakenings uh, if they think that they're bigger than or better than or the power. Right. Yeah, and even in my process, you know, especially the work that I do with women, when I first started to be aware, because I didn't really go looking for it, this energy stuff that I do just kind of started to present itself to me when I was in intimacy with, with partners of mine at the time. And at the beginning, it was an ego trip. Because it's like, oh, wow, look at the effect I'm having on her. Oh, look at what I can do. And as soon as I would move into that ego trip, the energy would break and it would stop. And I was like, hmm, this is interesting. Mm. So when I'm just totally present and, and there in service, the energy is incredibly powerful. And things that I couldn't even fathom were happening. But then as soon as I would place a meaning or a story to it, or I would take responsibility for that power, like I, I'm talking in that split, split second, it would stop. And everything would quell. So I started to realize that, in my case at least, and later on I discovered in, in everyone's case, life has a child lock. And when we start to move into spiritual practice from a place of childishness or trying to feed the ego or trying to uh, uh, feed our insecurities, that that child lock switches on and will put us on our ass if we don't get the message. So the one thing that spiritual development or growth or whatever that even means at this point has taught me is if you're not in service, you're not going to be connected to that power. Mm-hmm. If you're only there to take and get from what you're calling spiritual or your spiritual talents, it's going to be very, very limited. And it's going to end up being a pain in your ass pretty quickly. Uh, so I feel that child lock keeps things, keeps things uh, of integrity. Can you talk a bit more about what you mean as far as being of service? Because I think that word or concept has also been um, mm-hmm. <laughs> conflated with so many different things. And totally. uh, I sort of talk a lot about uh, nature and the planet itself. And I think we, for me, the purpose of spirituality is yes, this idea of service, but also this idea of like reconnection to ourselves and the world around us. And Mm -hmm. I seem to see that many people are thinking or wanting to use quote unquote spirituality as actually a way to sort of like disconnect. Um, I don't know Mm -hmm. if you know Stephen Jenkinson, but I heard him recently sort of referring to this as like the beam me up Scotty (laughs) techniques like you know going to do a million ayahuasca ceremonies or you know even conflating it with this idea of like oh just go to mars and like at 5d and ascension right like we're we think we're trying to get elsewhere um 
so yeah, I'm, I'm curious mm. to hear what, what, how you sort of define, I guess, spirituality itself and this sort of concept of, of service. The more I can feel sense of myself and the peace in me or the center in me or the peace of me that is not caught up in distraction and desires, just the silence in me, the more that I can feel that, the more connected that I am. I'm, I don't believe I'm here to actually make any decisions. I feel like my job is to get out of the way enough and to be connected enough with myself and my own body and my own nature as an individual that my job is just to allow the decisions that have already been made to move through me. Mm. My idea of service or my understanding of service is that I can't be of service if I can't feel myself. If I reach down to pick up a glass of water but I'm not connected to myself and I'm not feeling my own life force moving through me in that moment, that action is coming from a place of disconnect. Mm. So whatever I attempt to do from a place of that disconnect is really not going to do much because I'm disconnected from that power. I'm here in order to feel my creator, my way, my internal law as an individual, how that moves through me. And my way of being of service is to be the embodiment of all of that unapologetically, whatever way or shape that, that, that life force in me wants to take shape. Because I believe that service is not something we have to try to do or have to look for. We are of service when we are functioning as a beautiful example of what it means to be connected to this human form and this human life and to learn how to do this realm in 3D, not in 5D, not trying to be ascending all the time. That time will come anyway, right? We're ascending whether we want to or not. My, my goal is how can I be so deeply in this human experience that through the depth of me being in this human experience, I get to make contact with everything else that exists in this universe within me. Because that's what I started to realize through my own internal practice was I don't need to go out and try to astral travel anywhere. I, I just need to go down inside of my tissues, of my cells, because if we can start to relax deeper and deeper and deeper into our felt sense experience, now we start to be able to make contact with everything outside of us, but inside of us. Uh, and to me, that feels safe because it's grounded in physicality. I can feel the earth underneath my toes. I'm not disassociating. So my work with people is, is essentially just trying to pull them down into themselves and slap them around a little bit lovingly so that they can remember that it's their flesh they need to devote themselves to. Because I think it's one of the most incredible and, and superhuman parts of who we are. And when we turn our back on the body for, for quote-unquote spiritual or, or uh, you know, ascension or kundalini chasing, whenever we turn our back on that body, that body starts to get sick, it starts to shut down, it starts to block up in all these different centers.
So that's my, that's part of my take on it. Right. Thank you. Um, so how did, how, I know you said you didn't initially intend to start working in these sort of realms of polarity or, you know, mm. men's work or women's work or <laughs> polarity. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about how that sort of naturally then came about for you? Sure. I've always been very uh, sensitive, I guess you could call it. I mean, we're all sensitive, but it was it was in a way where I, I had no guidance in how to capacitate to it. I was in a culture that, you know, I'm Irish, so anything that comes up for us emotionally, it just involves beer. It involves going to the pub. We, we don't feel things. We don't process culturally. I'm sure that's changing now, but um, that environment for me and, and seeing how everyone else was doing fine, not feeling, but as I would enter a room, I would feel everybody's everything. And my only way to try to function normally was to start drinking or taking drugs and doing things that was numbing to me, which Mm -hmm. kind of kept me functional to a certain level. But it also disconnected me from from my individual potency and what I'm supposed to be doing here. So when I started to go into Chinese medicine and learning about the meridian systems and making contact with some very high-functioning individuals, I I started to realize that I myself had, had a lot of fear around feeling myself. And also I had a lot of perversion around my male sexual energy and how I was expressing it, uh, just based on the information that I was given as a young man. Mm-hmm. So the more that I was working with people's bodies in clinic with acupuncture, uh, and the more I was guiding men externally just through the process of connecting to himself deeper, I started to see other people's deep, deep fear around feeling and allowing their natural energy or their natural polarity be expressed through the body. From this point, I started to see how society has actually been set up to separate us or rip us from our natural essence, from our nature as men and women. And I speak of that as duality, as something very different. But now they're trying to make us all the same. And polarity is the thing that keeps us alive. It gives us charge. It gives us our creativity, our passion, our meaning, our health. I started to see as I was coming up with different ways of opening people and and engaging with people's bodies and energy systems to support this. I started to see how people's strength would just come back up to the surface, how years of trauma would start to just be washed out of the tissues, washed out of the nervous system. I realized that trauma was not of the mind, it was of the body, and we were holding everything in the fascial system. Now, we don't really need to talk too much about trauma to move it, we just need to get in the body and feel it, so that the body can have its own intelligence, uh, or it can take over with its own intelligence. 
and really seeing how the more we're trying to be made the same, the more that that is creating deep neurosis, mental issues, disassociative issues, uh, self-hatred, which is the uh, that's the trend of what we're being fed by society. You know, always distrust yourself more, hate yourself more, doubt yourself more, question yourself more. And they do this by pulling us into the mind more. Mm-hmm. But when we're embodied, we don't have that fear. We feel our power. We feel our connection to spirit, to God, to our creator, to what's put us here. But the more neutral we're becoming, neutrality is death the more polarized we can be in our own being, the healthier, the more expansive, the more real we can be, the more ferocity we have access to, to protect ourselves and our consciousness and our bodies and our communities. So, you know, that was a lot of what started to unfold over the years when I began this work. Yeah, let's. I'd love for you to break this down a little bit more. I mean, I've I've spoken about these things sort of from my perspective, but I'm I'm not an energy worker, and um, I think I, for me, my perspective is archetypal because of my work with astrology. Um, but I would love if you could, right. since I've never explicitly talked about it with someone on the podcast, really sort of <laughs> define for people what what polarity is like what is it that you're actually Mm -hmm. talking about and then how does that Mm -hmm. relate to concepts of masculinity and femininity or yin and yang or Mm -hmm. any of the okay of course so the type of polarity that you see out there publicly the the trendy polarity um, i feel is actually very dysfunctional and it's it's more of an acting game it's more of a manipulation game where people assume they're being embodied because they've got all these tips and tricks and things they can say and uh, it just becomes very manipulative and the polarity that I started to work with from day one and the, the polarity I've always worked with has come from my background in Chinese medicine so it was never about you know, how to be more sexy to your boyfriend, <laughs> right? Like that's not the disempowering type of polarity that I've ever engaged with. And people should really be aware of, of all of that type of stuff um, because it's it's a deep, dark hole the deeper you get into it. The polarity that I work with is based on the, the concept, as you mentioned already, of yin and yang, of understanding the fire and the water principle of the body. And as I was seeing people in clinic for acupuncture, I started to very experientially witness the fact that men in their healthy form are far more fire-based, or you could say yang-based, or you could say masculine-based. And women were actually far more water-based, which was the yin element, which is femininity. So the polarity that I approach is has nothing to do with how a person is identifying as or what a person is thinking they are today or tomorrow. Or there's, there's very little fluidity to it, the polarity that I'm talking about. It's quite concrete. It doesn't matter what someone chooses to identify as or how they feel in themselves. 
the polarity I'm referring to is physically based on how you arrived into this planet. If you have male genitalia, you are, you are in male polarity, or your healthiest way of functioning is going to be through you supporting your male charge. Now, that's not to say that you don't get to just identify as a woman. You can do whatever you want to do on this planet. But we need to be willing to support our healthy polarity internally to stay healthy. And for women, it's the opposite. Yeah, where if you've come here in a female body, you work the opposite to a man, energetically speaking. So what I started to notice and what was later confirmed after I noticed by seeing some other people who had also discovered the same thing, is that we're set up like a battery. And we have a positive charge and we have a negative charge. Men, the positive charge, which is the outgoing, the positive pole is our genitals, is our penis, is right down into the root of the prostate. And our negative charge, where we receive, where we're more receptive from, is our chest, is our heart, is also our minds as men. Uh, and women function the opposite to that, where she's positive or she's outgoing, where she brings and gives her love and how she blesses life and brings meaning to life is going to be through her positive pole, which is her breasts, her nipples, her chest, the area of the heart, the back of the heart, all the way up into the neck and the throat. And physically, the body actually represents this if you just look at it very superficially, where the woman is, is physically protruding at her positive pole, and she's negative in her genitals, in the, the vagina, the cervix, the womb. That's where she's receptive naturally uh, within her energetic system. She doesn't get to choose any of this based on what her mind suddenly decides. Um, or even how she feels. This is just the way physically she's set up to function healthily. Um, so once I started to, to have a deeper understanding of this, this really allowed me to support and work with people around their dysfunction or their perversion or their confusion uh, just around themselves. Because when you can bring and guide someone to their, to their natural polarity, to their positive pole, which is going to be the seat of their power, where they gain their steadiness, their meaning, their stability, their expression, their creativity. Everything that is supporting us begins at the positive pole, and then it starts to flow upwards or downwards to nourish and open the rest of the body. So it's really important for health that we be very full and sensitive and connected to whatever area of our body is that positive pole. So it can then overflow and feed our receptive pole. So yeah, the more I've worked with people on this and what I was going to say, once you connect someone to their positive pole and it opens and it starts to fill up, there's very little talking you need to do with them in order to guide them after that. Because once you connect someone to that part, that starts to just take over. 
the way they walk, the way they talk, the way they breathe, the way that they engage with life, how they experience themselves in relation to life, all of this starts to naturally shift and to rebalance and to harmonize. But if someone is trying to battle that with all of the constructs and the complication and the social programming and the brainwashing that's been fed to our fragile mind, now there's like a conflict inside. And that's a lot of just the, the healing process is having all of these conflicts brought to the surface to be felt through and, and to be expressed. But we are not our intelligence. The intelligence is in the body. The intelligence is in our energetic system. Our job is to get the fuck out of the way and surrender to those parts of ourselves. Realizing that we're not just a head and our mind is not equal intelligence. It's the opposite. It's our body that is our intelligence. And I think that's the service piece. Can you feel your body enough and listen to your intuitiveness enough through feeling to be of service to your body? So your body can be of service to humanity, community. Yeah, I I always I feel sort of saddened or, or disappointed by something that I feel like I deeply understand, but which has, um, is sort of misguided in the sense that, you know, I sort of can see this across the board, not just in our engagement of or understanding of, um, you know, masculine, feminine polarity, but in many different things, you know, when we experience a trauma or we experience abuse or shame, deep shame of some kind, that we think that our kind of knee-jerk reaction to the thing is the solution in and of itself. Like we always tend to like over, like in the process of correcting, we tend to overcorrect is sort of how I um, frame it. And so I can sort of understand, of course, how we have these sort of archaic, um, unhealthy ideas of... Um, you know, masculine, feminine, and the ways that they interact with each other, both inside of us, but also in relation, you know, our relationship to other people. Um, and so I can understand how in this day and age that in the process of trying to become empowered and to reclaim our, yeah, power and our um, knowledge of ourselves that we've you know, sort of violently gone too far sometimes. <laughs> um, and you, you spoke a bit about, you know, neutrality. And I, I think on the one hand, there is this sort of, you know, we are all the same and neutral, but I think there's this other thing that's going on. Um, and wondering how, what you think about this as well, this, you know, women thinking they need to be men to be um, empowered and uh, are more like men and and the inverse for men that you know men feel like they need to put aside their their masculinity and I think I mean I get both but even just the fact that both are going on the neutrality and the sort of switching it's like I mean so confusing for people but this is so they control us yeah 
this is how you control a large population of people is you disconnect them from their nature you disconnect them from their sex from their healthy sex and their expression of that because you just need to look at how we relate to feelings and the expression of feelings to see that everything is pretty disturbed we're totally shut down and not supported in any capacity to feel the depth of what moves through us on a moment-to-moment -moment basis. Mm -hmm. And as soon as we have dysfunction or fear around feeling ourselves and expressing, just to use that word, our truth, whatever mm -hmm. that means, to express that part <laughs> of ourselves, if there's fear around that, we're immediately turning our back on the one energy that we have here to support us. And then we're up for grabs. Then we're, then we're whoever is intelligent enough to talk to us in the right way. And then we're theirs. Um, I think it's the education that needs to shift. But because the subject is so taboo, people are terrified of speaking to it. You know, I, I look around even in whatever industry this may be referred to as, and I, I feel like I'm the only one here talking about this stuff in the way that I'm talking about it. I feel people trying to speak about it, but kind of hiding and not bringing, not saying it clearly enough. You know what I mean? Like there's a mincing of words. There's, there's a pandering that goes on and it's just infuriating. It's disgusting. It's repulsive. And we, 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 this is the part of maturing is, no, if we see a problem, and I'm looking at men especially for this, because if women don't feel safe enough in them being connected to their powerful womanhood and being an expression of that, if, if they don't feel safe enough to be there, then, you know, we can kiss evolution goodbye from that standpoint. But men need to be willing to go first in order to make sure that that container is supported and safe for that deep yin wisdom to start coming through. But if men are sitting back totally fucking distracted on their phones and caught up in fucking sports teams and there's nothing wrong with any of this, but if this becomes what all of his attention and energy is going into, now he can't see in front of himself. He can't even feel himself. He can't even see the own dysfunction and perpetration that he's carrying out through being sleepy and then there's no space for women to feel safe enough just to 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 not have to compete with that level of insanity and you're right society is telling men you know no be more feminized more feminized you know be be more accommodating appease even more you can't say that and then at the same time in spirituality right now, you know, which is also a very feminized or dysfunctionally feminized environment, you have women's work asking for men, you know, men, be conscious and be in your truth. And then a man shows up and speaks his truth and they go, ah, not like that. Yeah. Yeah, right. speak it the way that's comfortable for everybody. Right. So there's a lot of different layers to this that, that need to be engaged with first. But someone has to go first. Somebody has to be willing to step out there and, and be real for a moment. Right. Because, as you said, women are now, and, and 
I have to see this every day with women who come to me for the work that I do. She has been totally just dried up in her juice. She has been used and driven and dumped in and mishandled. And now she gets so bitter and so resentful towards that, that now she wants to model herself as the energy that's done that to her in the past. So she doesn't have to suffer anymore. So now women move around totally disconnected from her power center, from her positive pole. And what does she get in return for it? Fatigue, uh, feeling totally unable to connect with a man, being very shut down in her orgasmicness and her bliss, which is very much attached to just her naturalness and herself. Mm -hmm. And what does she get in return? Things like breast cancer because she's been pulled out of her positive pole. And what do men get when he's pulled up into the, into the heart and told, be in your heart all the time and be soft all the time and don't be firm and directive because being in leadership is misogynistic apparently now. Right. So now what does he get? He gets plagued with things like prostate and testicular cancer because we're being pulled away from our nature. So it's a deep game that's going on. And I don't know where it started, but we're here, we're in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think about this too, and I'm grateful that you're saying all of this because I too sort of feel like nobody's really explicitly speaking to it, and I, I understand why, and I understand the taboo and the shame around it. Um, and... I just can sort of look to my, you know, mother and her mother and, you know, I recognize like I, you know, in talking about feminine, you know, concepts around surrender or opening, like how can you possibly do that within a context or environment that takes advantage of that and abuses that, which I think is absolutely right. Like absolutely <laughs> what's been going on for so long. Um, and so I I have both this sort of deep understanding of and respect for the the closing off and the avoiding that, but it's hard for me now not to notice um, this sort of neurotic energy um, in women. And and I think you know a version of this exists for men as well. But as a woman, I feel I mean, and I was in it too and, until I sort of discovered these things about myself and found contexts to exist in a way that felt more natural safely um but I, I do I feel badly sometimes because I you know we need the container <laughs> um you can't just walk around open and surrender all the time um but yeah I'd, I'd I'd love for you to sort of expand upon the these the kind of you know, neurosis that does occur and, and maybe also, you know, what is your advice for people to practice this, you know, if they don't have, let's say, a partner or like how can we start to become more embodied in this, in this polarity in a safe way? The neurosis is a symptom of the backup of energy, mm -hmm. the, the damming up of 
all the emotional poison that she's had to be subjected to by very unhealthy versions of men and women because women also do this to to other women as well and also that neurosis comes because there's no circulation in her energy when a woman in in my experience what i've experienced from from working with thousands of women over the last number of years is the pattern of when a woman is disconnecting from her sex or she's not prioritizing her orgasmicness and her sensuality if that's not sitting at the forefront of her being in her life that neurosis is the response um, because she's not the water isn't being able to move downstream she's just backing up and backing up and backing up men don't work in this way but women work in this way and uh, i'm always cautious of how i communicate this because you know this can tie into the very kind of insensitive uh old way of of remembering that you know many many years ago when women would come in with emotional problems you know the doctor would just take out a sex toy and bring her to orgasm and then she's like oh no i'm good <laughs> and she would leave and i don't want to say it's that simple but i'm also not saying it's not that simple yeah uh, i try to share with men that women are not complicated don't believe that narrative right. women are deeply simple in how she functions if you're willing to tune into her and hear what her body is actually asking for what she's reaching for because this is how we can love her better for any men listening to love a woman you can't love her if you can't feel her you can't hold her and support her if you can't feel her and tune into her and the fact that women now have to walk around so backed up in themselves that all of this tension and repressed sexual energy has to get stuck in her shoulders and stuck at the base of her skull which is where it will really show up on women uh, around the chest around the back of the heart especially we need to recognize this because it can be as simple as just asking a woman hey i i see you i feel what you're in right now are you comfortable with just me holding you in a hug for 5 minutes just to allow yourself to be held yeah. women go through life right now even in partnerships and relationships and and i ask this women the question or i ask women this question very frequently you know when was the last time you allowed yourself to be held most of the time there's silence and there's confusion in the response or there's a justifying of well i mean i had sex last week say like, yes but but did you allow yourself to be held this is so she can support her polarity either in relation to men to to be courageous enough to be in the posture of inviting someone into hold her so she can show and express in that moment everything she's had to hold on to she gets the opportunity to start letting that process letting that go now i get it that it's challenging sometimes to find a man who is going to just be present with you in love and not try to use that against you or 
not try to make it be something more than it is. So this is the this is the demanding that I always request from women. I, I really want women collectively to get as loud as possible in what she requires to be nourished. And this isn't about telling men how to be or what they have to do. This is just sharing, hey, this is what I require. Figure it out if you want. But this is what I require. Um, but it is tricky because, as you said, if the container isn't there, it's difficult for a woman to feel safe enough to really show what's moving in her. And women get so backed up that, you know, by the time they get to someone like me for a session, it's not even an issue of her showing me or, or letting it come up around me because her body wants to at that point. She has actually lost touch with how to allow it come up with herself. She doesn't even know where to search for in herself to give that permission. So one way that uh, that's very powerful, two ways actually that I can share that are very powerful for, for women without a partner or who are just wanting to build this quality in themselves is dancing is the first dance. And I don't mean structurized dance. I mean putting on music and taking a moment to breathe deeply into the body and to feel the body and to then just allow the body to take the lead. Allow the body, allow the hips to move, the chest to move. Allow whatever emotions you're feeling, invite them to the surface. Invite them to be expressed through this movement. And as she's moving, keeping the breath open, <sighs> allowing her sound on her exhale, just keeping the body available for expression. And if she needs someone to dance for, or if she feels she requires an extra charge, then she can dance for God. Yeah, she can dance for spirit. She can dance for creator. She can allow that energy, the energy that she's longing for in her life, she can allow that energy to see her and to bear witness to her. And women, once they start doing this, have shared that they have some very powerful experiences and clearings and emotional processing and everything from sadness and grief coming up in the moment to anger and frustration and fucking rage towards men coming up. Beautiful. Allow everything that begins to swell up in your being to come up. And as I'm saying what I'm saying right now, women who are listening to this may actually be going through that experience in their bodies. And if it's starting in this moment for them to bubble up because everything is energy, stop this, pause this, and immediately go into what you're feeling. And then you can come back to finish listening to this interview. So that's the first practice. The second practice is breast meditation. Such a powerful practice for women. Every morning when she wakes up, she can do it when she just opens her eyes. It's a very receptive time. Uh, she can also choose to do it at any other point throughout her day. But to start, 
she can just bring her feeling awareness to her breasts, to her nipples, to see if she can locate that part of her body without touching it. Same as with the dance, you're keeping the breath open, you're breathing into the body, and you're focusing on feeling, staying present with all the subtle sensations that start to build up and accumulate and open in this very powerful part of you. And after a few minutes, you can then take the hands and you can start to, with oil or with whatever is most comfortable for you, just start to worship the breasts, to touch the breasts really, really gently, really tenderly, really softly, and just following your own energy. If feelings and emotions come up, ah, allow the sound express whatever's going on in the chest and the breasts, whatever you're feeling. And when you're inhaling, breathing energy, breathing life force, breathing juice into the breasts, into the nipples. And the deeper that you can stay present with this, you will start to implode more and more and more into your body. And this part will start to open and expand and get very, very big. And once the energy gets so big in your positive pole, it will naturally spill over and start to roll down into the womb, the cervix, enlivening the vagina, the hips. But you enter through the positive pole, through the breasts, always start here. When a woman just allows herself to be penetrated without opening the heart first, or without being opened and alive in the upper body first, she is now essentially partaking in her own abuse. Because she's being penetrated when she hasn't, when she hasn't been prepared for it. Her body is not actually ready to be entered. Um, so this practice is 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 really really powerful in, in connecting her to her womanhood, to her softness, to her fierceness, to her unconditionality, to the abundance of love and energy that she has in this area of her body, and she'll also start to understand that this part of her body is thousands of times more orgasmic than her vagina or her clitoris. That she can be in multiple full body orgasms and bliss, waves of unrelenting bliss that move through her body when she is connected and embodied in this place in herself. This is the feminine orgasmicness. When, when it's just very based on her receptive pole, uh, like clitoris stimulation, the orgasm she experiences is not accumulatory. It's very dispersive. It's very releasing. It's very masculine in its charge. And it doesn't allow her to go deeper into herself. Um, so for whatever that's worth, I, I hope that can be supportive to, to, to whoever's listening right now. And for men, they just do the direct opposite. Everything that I share the woman to do with the breast meditation, he can do that with his genitals, with his penis. 
all the same rules to play. He'll feel his heart starting to open as that energy, as that power and potency starts to rise up in him. Once he doesn't choose to go into ejaculation, of course, which will diminish him. So these are ways to immediately, for anybody listening, to start bringing back health and restoring the positive pole, the polarity, regardless of how they identify. Yeah, I can definitely attest to this. I mean, I think I was I was previously married and decided to get a divorce and basically blew up my entire life and entered into like a very painful uh, process over the course of a couple of years of sort of releasing everything that had been pent up and remembering who I was and who I wanted to be. And I didn't get any kind of instruction around dancing, but that just sort of like my body naturally pushed me there. Um, and I would always say it's not even dancing. It's more like a flailing of sorts. Um, yes. You know, like, it's not like, it's, it's not like a performance. It's um, looks insane, but there was, it, it really did feel like this like degree of, you know, electricity or um, just this huge bottleneck of energy that needed to come out. And, and I would often then start doing that when I felt any form of anxiety, like the anxiety to me, uh, this sort of neurotic buildup was just a uh, clue to go do that. And when I did that, I would often, it would just allow me to cry and sort of really express those emotions that I think were, you know, not being expressed and then therefore causing that level of anxiety in my body yes so beautiful yeah. yeah thank you for that and i think it's embracing the the, the too muchness because i you know, that's a big fear i hear from women is their fear of being too much and anyone who who tells you that you're too much all they're really saying is that they have not figured out yet how to be present enough to receive the gifts that you have to bring forth. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's uncomfortable for them to feel that much energy and life force processing through you. So they're like, oh, stop, that's too much. You're too much. And they try to blame and guilt you for feeling aliveness in your being. So for the women, again, it's, it's you got to allow a level of messiness that, has been once unbeknownst to your capacity because it's in there it's it's sitting in there in you and she really longs to be expressed so in that dancing in that breast meditation let as much intensity and expression and feeling come up uh, as possible this is how we love ourselves this is how we worship and, and honor ourselves can we talk a bit more about sort of the inverse of this around women supporting men in their quote-unquote truth um, and true nature? Uh, I feel like I'm 
sort of quite unique in the way I was raised by uh, my father is gay and I think was an, an amazing father and really uh, exemplified a very healthy version of masculinity in a way that I think most women didn't experience growing up with their fathers. Um, and my dad was not, you know, overly effeminate. He was very balanced and very protective and very brave and courageous and, you know, what he had to do in order to live his life and who he was and, but also very, you know, had emotional capacity and, um, was vulnerable. And so I've always sort of grown up with this deep, like reverence for masculinity and men, you know, when embodied and, I don't have the level of fear or not that I don't know, like some forms of masculinity can't be toxic or, you know, untrustworthy, but it's to me, it's like, that's just the shadow aspect. It's not men. It's not masculinity. That's, you know, boy psychology or something. Um, and so I really try my hardest to, uh, you know, share how other women can, you know, sort of honor and have reverence for the beautiful um, expression of masculinity. And, uh, you know, I know we talk a lot about like, you know, how men can sort of support women or the feminine. And I'm interested to hear the inverse of that as well, how women can honor men in their true selves. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. The first part of this is is her responsibility for how she's showing up in her own life as a woman. And what that means is if you're wanting to support a man or men in your life, you have to do your part in, in, in cleaning up and healing through all of the resentment and the distrust and the mishandling that's been that's been done onto you. And a lot of that can be done in the presence of healthy men, of course. That's one of the most beautiful and powerful places to do that. But she has to be very aware of not projecting past relationships and past experiences onto him. She also has to be aware of her uh, proclivity to very artfully, emotionally bait guilt and manipulate men even if she doesn't intentionally mean harm women are are masterful at this because you know women are far more subtly or they live far more kind of uh, connected to frequency so their subtleties in communication is oftentimes not in every case but more cases than not it's a lot more refined than than a man's communicative ability so if you're wanting to love and support a man, the first question to ask yourself is, am I loving and supporting him in my actions, in my behaviors, in the way I speak to him? Am I requesting, oh, I want you know my man to be conscious and powerful, but treating him like a jackass uh, or talking down to him or mothering him? or protecting him for himself by not giving him accurate reflections of how his presence in the room is affecting you negatively or positively. You never want to be hiding anything from the man because as soon as you get 
afraid of how his ego is going to respond. Now you're supporting that ego and getting bigger. So through her own internal security and standing with herself and her trust in herself, knowing that I love this man through realness, through reflecting the reality of how he is showing up back to him. And this is not about being in a head trip. This is not about her getting caught up in her own trauma patterns and then sharing that with him or projecting that on him and convincing herself she's reflecting reality. Um, this is more about her being connected to her body, being in feeling in her body, and when the man is around her, being very reflective or expressive through her body, through her embodiment of how his presence is affecting her. That could look like the man walks in the room in a, in a certain way that moves her or that activates her or that turns her on. So she should allow herself to be totally impacted by that man and then to go, ah, mm, or the way that you just walked in, mm, that was delicious. I, I just loved how you walked in. Because now he's like, oh, what did I do? So now he has to look around inside of himself and say, she liked that. What, what did I do? Because as men, we actually want to we wanna give you a beautiful experience. Even men that are trying to take stuff from you, the, it's coming from a place of we actually want the woman to have the most profound experience with us, the most beautiful, most meaningful experience with us. So when he gets the reflection of, mm, you just done something and I liked it, it directs his awareness internally so he can start to see patterns within himself of how he's showing up. The other version of that is him entering the room in a way that's just gross to her. This is often the part that's a bit more challenging for women to be reflective in because she doesn't want to hurt his feelings Please don't treat him like a child. Reflect to him. It doesn't have to be coming from you personally. It's just your body responding. You can let him know. Maybe he walks in and you're like, Ugh, uh -uh, and your body just shrivels and does a little bounce on the chair for a moment. Mm -hmm. He's like, what just happened? And you can share with him, oh, my body was just responding to whatever you came in with. I don't really even know what it is. My body is just responding to you. So take it in whatever way you, you'd like to take it. But she's not making it personal. She's not criticizing him for it. She's not pulling it to the mind. She's not creating a story. She's just being deeply reflective at all times with him. This will actually connect her deeper to her feminine essence. Because she'll have to remain present in her body, feeling with her intuitiveness, and she'll become stronger and more courageous in her expression. Because centuries ago, I mean, women were killed for having an expression. So collectively, this fear of speaking up and sharing things that may not be received well, that can be a, a really deep fear for her. So using this practice as a safe way to heal this trauma. Yeah. Um, so that's one way. And, and again, it is really important how, 
how you speak to your man, if you're telling him what to do or telling him how to do something, you're his mother in that moment. He doesn't know the difference. In his body, his body shuts down. He becomes defensive. He may lash out at you. But men do not respond well to being told what to do or how to do it. That is the worst way to connect with a man. What we do respond to is being called to something. Is being called to a challenge. Is being called to a mission. So rather than you telling telling him how to do something, expressing to him what you would love in this moment. Expressing to him what you love to feel in this moment. Express to him the reality of what you're experiencing, which is, you know, this feels all of this stuff to me and it doesn't feel good and I don't feel like you're connected to me. I would love for you to figure it out. I would love for you just to, to learn, to figure out what you need to do to meet me. I would love for you to figure that out. Let him know how much you'd love for him to figure stuff out. And just sit back and let him free. Let him be free in figuring it out. But if you get involved, not only do you disempower yourself and drain yourself and bring yourself into neurosis, you also shut him down and he becomes repulsed by you and he wants to get away. So call him to something. Request he, he figures it out. And the, the, just the final thing I wanted to, wanted to finish on how you can love and support your man is by learning to bring your heart to his cock, to his penis, to his genitals. Learn how to artfully devote and worship and make love to his genitals when you're with him, whether it's with your hands, whether it's with your mouth, whether it's with your vagina and your body. Um, and most of this is going to be through your receptivity to it, of course. Uh, I get that this is also a trigger point for a lot of women when I bring this up, especially in groups. I'll see some women wincing and just... <laughs> tightening and bracing and clamping the jaw in the background because of like fuck that man why do i have to worship his genitals and all the trauma starts to come up so right. to, to to just preface all of that and to clarify a man who you feel is deserving who is showing up with you in a way that is beautiful a man who is so pure in his intentions but maybe he's struggling to find his way internally to find his power one of the most magnificent ways that you can love us is by reconnecting us and bringing us deeper into our genitals because this is how, as men, we strengthen. This is how we get to our heart. It's through our penis that we actually arrive to our heart. And a woman who is artful in her ability to just be deeply loving with this part of a man's body you know, I've heard stories from men after bringing this up in my couple's coaching or I've had experiences in my own life when a woman has just poured her heart onto that part of my body in the most beautiful way and it has just blown me open mm -hmm. and has allowed me to process through some really, really deep trauma wounds that I've, that I've had in the past. Mm -hmm. So please do not disacknowledge 
how powerful and potent this practice can be. And I also share the opposite for men. Learn to be with and love and worship your woman's breasts, her heart, her nipples, this part of her being. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think there's a direct correlatory from this to what you were sort of talking about earlier as far as dancing for God. Um, I try mm -hmm. as best I can to remind women about how sacred sexuality was and how, you know, um, before our Judeo-Christian patriarchal world and that, mm -hmm. you know, sex was a form of worship and I think when we can kind of reconnect those dots for ourselves that it all makes a lot more sense um, and feels more aligned and more embodied and more meaningful. Yes, um, but if you're not connected with yourself, you'll right. find it very difficult to, to be in that experience with another. It starts right. with you as an individual. Right. Yeah, can we, I would love one of my favorite things that you talk about is this uh, idea of the sort of quote-unquote conscious man and, and women thinking they want this and not really knowing what they're signing up for. Um, and I, I, you know, that I think women may sometimes think that what they actually want is a man that can be manipulated. And, and I think women often subconsciously try to almost manipulate men also as a way to see whether or not they can be manipulated in general, right, by other women or by just external things. And there's this strange, which I'm sure you've come across, I think, idea of this on both sides where I feel like sometimes in this... Mm, in these polarity teachings are those who teach sort of, you know, um, men's and women's practices that men should just sort of have to deal with this excessive criticism or manipulation. And then that's just sort of how women are, which I think is absurd, uh, and disempowers men. Um, but also, yeah, I would just, I would love to hear you elaborate a bit on that as far as like what, 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 is a conscious man and, and, um, you know, that this concept of like safe spaces, uh, is, you know, of course we, we need to have some degree of like a safe underlying platform or container or ground on which to stand. But if you're actually seeking growth or actually seeking this sort of healthy form of masculinity that you are not going to be able to enact these games and manipulations um, that I think women are so accustomed to. Yes. A conscious man, that word, of course, which has been <laughs> used by just, just everyone, and, and it means everything at this point. My, as simple as possible, my expression of what a conscious man is is a man who has full domain over his own internal law and his connection with his internal law is what motivates the way he moves all of his actions, the direction he moves in and what he's here to bring to life. 
that he's informed by that authority. He is not here for the woman, to please the woman. He's not here to please or make anybody happy. He's only here to stay true to his internal law and to carry that out in whatever way that means for him. Uh, it also means that he's clear and clean of conditioning, that his motivations are not influenced by conditioning or past trauma. And also that most of him is just space. Most of his experience of himself is just silence. It's just space. It's just observing. It's seeing. There's not a lot of stuff that's actually going on in him. It's when he comes in contact with life, which is feminine in general, or women, that's when he's then able to offer really, really uh, deep and profound clarity to her, just through the way that he's showing up with her, the way he refuses to tolerate or even communicate with her childishness or her traumatic projections or any of the ways that she has been convinced or entitled into postures uh, that, that really aren't doing anything to empower her. A conscious man, and why I always say, you know, do women know what they're really asking for, is because when a woman is with a man like this, there's, she's just with herself, essentially. <laughs> and she can't get away from herself when she's with him. Because as a man... I'm looking to pin her against herself at all times so that I have land uh, that is clean enough to plant in, to do life with, to create with, to manifest stuff with, to you know, hopefully change a part of this world with. So when I see a woman, it's, it's okay, there's the physical form, but how much junk is in there? And I get that this is not such an empathetic way of communicating it, but this is just from male communication, right? This is just a very direct, raw, clean, clear, uh, void of any emotion or feeling. It's just, okay, well, here's the outline of her. Now here's all the junk that, that this world has filled her with. I love her by engaging with her in a way that through my electricity and through my contact with my internal law with my creator with my energy that i get to vibrate with her and bring all of this junk kind of up to the surface up to the up to the surface of her lake of her water and then she has to see it all and feel it all, feel it all and go through the process of making sense out of it i will not babysit her in that moment because that will weaken her i will not remove her out of her trauma I will hold her in her trauma and I will lovingly support her and, and show confidence in her that she has everything that she needs in order to move through all of her childishness so she can be here as the most powerful version of who she is as a woman, the realest version of who she is. And that's the difference between a man who understands himself and knows himself versus a man who is caught up in all of his dysfunctional feminization, is the man that's clear will, will not jump in to save her from her feelings. 
he will sit back and sit in her feelings with her and support her in moving through them, but he will not allow her project them onto him even for a fucking second. He'll hold her accountable. And, and that's how that quality of man loves. And it can be really, really challenging and terrifying for a woman when she first is in that energy. Um, you know, I remember quite a while back with, with the woman that I, I used to have in my life, who's still in my life, just in a different in a different format. But when we first met, she could only be with me for like 15 minutes at a time and she'd have to excuse herself and go for a walk and then like she'd come back and sit down on the grass again and then we'd continue engaging and then she'd have to get back up and walk away for a moment and it's not because I'm like amazing or special or anything like that it, it's based on the fact that we're bringing such a low level of presence and attentiveness to one another that when someone does feel absolute awareness, seeing them, that it, it just becomes almost too much too soon. Mm-hmm. And they need, to, they need to go through that maybe at a slower pace. But just for women who are looking for a conscious man and are assuming that that means that it's a man who will come in and give them what they want... <laughs> You're not going to get what you want from a conscious man. You're going to get what you need. Right. And that doesn't mean that a man knows what you need, but he's not there to bring you anything other than himself and his version of love. And that just so happens, I feel, nature has set it up in a way that that is what she needs. And as men, we require the opposite. Yeah, we require a woman who can bring... You know, one of the most beautiful and empowering parts that that I've gathered lessons and learnings from in my partnership is being with a woman who has done so much partnership and is, has has such a weathered heart to the point where I've seen this woman be so deeply unconditional and loving when everything else in other people and in me would just close off and shut down and walk away. So the feminine and, and a really powerful f- woman in her heart will actually teach a man compassion. You know, she's taught me deeper compassion. And okay, how can I tie that depth of compassion into me not being compromised? How can I show up and still be compassionate and be firm and honor my boundaries? How can I do all of that without it compromising me and my nature? So what woman has to teach here is love. Woman is here to teach love. That's what I truly believe after working with so many people and seeing how our bodies function and the centers that we have and the ways that we need to be embodied in ourselves. Women are the embodiment of love and she is here to bring that forth in ways that as men we just cannot. We don't have access to it, to the depth that women have access to it. And that is, that is the gift. That is the transformative quality that, that a woman who is embodied and who has grown and who is mature and who has rinsed herself from her Disney fantasies, uh, that's what she brings. It's raw. It's real. 
but it's drenched in love. It's drenched in compassion. And she can express her anger with compassion. She can express everything she wants to express in her compassion. She doesn't have to separate from any part of herself to be in another part. She's integrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope this makes sense and it's clear. <laughs> yeah. And what is the what what is it for men that they're bringing? Clarity. Mm-hmm. Consciousness. Safety. Direction. Leadership, protection, electricity, firmness, dangerousness. That's the other part. Everyone is afraid of men now because we're apparently so dangerous. Only because we're perverted. Only because you've come in and you've fucking taken our sword from us as little boys and weakened us and told us how bad our sword is. So now we grow up and we do bad things with our sword because we don't feel powerful. Power is the most important thing to the masculine. Power and freedom. And there's healthy, beautiful, in-service versions of power. And there's the unhealthy version of power, which is what you see in society as it's being you know, manifested more and more. You need to leave your little boy, if, if you're a mother, leave your little boy strong. Keep him firm. Leave him confident. Let him fall over and learn to pick himself up while you sit back in love and wait for him to come to you. Please stop coddling him. As he gets older, let him know that he can do whatever he wants to do, but he has to, he has to go out into life and he has to make mistakes and he has to risk his ego and he has to risk rejection in order to capacitate to who he is. Mm -hmm. He needs to experience challenge. And when you tell a little boy that he's bad or he's dangerous for feeling his own desires, his own natural desires that we need to experience, now he needs to come up with manipulative and abusive ways to get that base need met. Leave our men powerful. That would be my, my request to women, to mothers, to anyone who engages with masculinity in, in any sense. Can you see the power in him even when he's acting in dysfunction? Because by you just seeing the, the glimmer of, oh, there may be power in him, just you possibly feeling that will allow you to be with him in a way that can start to water that power in him a bit more. And when men feel powerful and valuable and like we have things to do here, now we want to protect you with everything we got. Now we want to stand up for, for whatever we need to stand up for in order to protect community. But men are bitter, men are angry, men are resentful towards women and towards just people in general. Because our sword has been taken from us. We've been fucking domesticated. And that's why there's the madness that's going on right now on the planet. Is because we don't have men here right now. We have traumatized little boys. And it doesn't have to be that way. So can women go first? Can she feel her heart and acknowledge her pain? 
and say it, it doesn't remove the fact that men have been so bad to me in my past experiences. But can I also choose to go first in my heart and to choose to go first with love towards men, even if it hurts a little bit at first? And for the men, can you go first? Can you be willing to put your ass and your ego on the line and approach her if you see her looking like she needs to be held for a moment? If she looks like she's fatigued or if she looks like she's just been beaten up by life? Can you just risk yourself and go to her and say, hey, I see you, I feel you. And if at any moment you'd like, you know, to just share a hug with me, that's, that's, that's all I'm bringing to you and that's all I'd like to share with you. But just know that I'm here for that if that's ever something that would feel nourishing for you without trying to get anything from her. Amen. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much. I could keep going. This was such a just, I don't know, it's just so nice and not, uh, you know, it's like a, a calming thing to have a discussion with someone who is so aligned. There's like not a ton of energy output, which is really nice <laughs> to just sort of glide through it. So um, thank you. Uh, if you could let thank everybody you. know where they could find you and the work that you do. And then I also ask everyone on the show to recommend a book or two that was really meaningful or impactful for you in your life relevant uh -oh. to this discussion or not. I know that's a difficult question. Well, I'm going to start with the last question first. Okay. Um, it, it's difficult for me to recommend books when, they, when people ask me to do so because I, I haven't really read that much. Um, yeah. in terms of my own process. It's, it's just been a lot of direct, hands-on stuff mm -hmm. for me. I've always been wary of not getting too caught up in other people's ideas of things. Um, but two books, two books that I will still recommend um, that I feel are practical and, and you know, come from a clean source. Uh, the first one is called... Tantric Orgasms for Women by a woman called Diana Richardson and her husband. And the second book is uh, Tantric Sex for Men by Diana Richardson and her husband. And this is, it's not like the neo-tantra stuff. It's, it's very simple, very practical. It's not fluffy. Um, and I think it can be great for especially in partnership if both people read both books um, right. and kind of swap it'll it'll give people a really nice starting point to to engage with each other in a in a new way intimately and, and understanding more about one another's polarity uh, which is aligned with some of the things i've been sharing today directly awesome. thank you and for my work uh, my I guess social media now is bigger than websites. Uh, my Instagram is Chris Bale Awakened. That's my Instagram tag. And my website is awakenedintent.com. And all the information about all of my offerings and everything else is available there. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me.
I, I really enjoyed this and I appreciated your realness and your rawness and what you're standing for as a woman um, in the work that you're doing in an industry that is <laughs> is quite funny at times. Uh, so just gratitude to you for, for showing up in the way that you show up. I, I feel the... Yeah, I feel the earth in you. I feel the earthiness to you. So thank you. Good. Well, that earth took a lot of work, let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) I bet. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Thank you for sticking around and listening to that episode. I highly recommend supporting Chris if this podcast and conversation was something that resonated with you. If you would like to support the podcast and have a few extra dollars to spare per month, go to patreon.com slash Anya Kotz. In exchange for your donation, you get access to all sorts of amazing perks, uh, such as a Discord server, a book club, um, Patreon, patron-only workshops, playlists, t-shirts, uh, contact lists, lots of amazing things that will help you uh, get more integrated in, into this community and meet like-minded humans. If that's not your thing, but you would still like to por- support the show, please go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts if that's how you listen. Scroll down, leave some stars and a review. This helps me quite a bit. And I really like seeing little names pop up and, and hearing what you think about the podcast. Uh, I'm going to play you out today with a song called uh, Medicine Man by Dorothy. Uh, please enjoy and thank you for being here and thank you for making this community into what it is. Uh, I could not do this without all of you and it's been such a joy and a pleasure to be on this journey with you. Uh, if you ever want to reach out for any reason, feedback on a podcast, questions, song suggestions, anything at all, you can always do that via email, anyakots at gmail.com or reach out to me on Instagram at anya.kots. Stay tuned uh, for next week. I will give you more information about this Winter's Venus Retrograde workshop if that's something you're interested in. Uh, Excited to teach more of you about astrology and meet you face-to-face. Well, over the internet at least, for now. (laughs) Talk soon.